0: Hey y'all, welcome back to a Thursday, June 16th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we've got the full ride here with Matt Green on today's edition of the podcast. Uh, it's a one part or one-hour program today uh, to talk all things college football with Matt Green, Pelley University of North Georgia, alumni Matt Green. So uh, one of my favorites to do each and every week. So... I uh, hope you guys enjoy uh, this edition of the podcast, the Thursday, June sixteenth edition here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Go check out all the other great shows all across BlueWirePods.com. Uh, Insight with Chris Van Fleet. We've got Wide Receiver One with Chris Carter. We've got Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Leggins. Uh, the Long Shot uh, with uh, Duncan Robinson, my Heat guard, and then of course uh, Greenlight with Chris Long. So there you go, lot of lot of great shows all across the blue wire pod network. So go check all those out. If you have not already done. So as so we continue building and building here at blue wire, so uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I wrote uh, about Tennessee baseball a little bit more uh, on yesterday uh, sports renaissance man. So go check that out over at sports renaissance man. Sub stack.com. an email and make sure you uh subscribe so that you get all of my written content uh please 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 go ahead and do that day and uh check out all of my writing you can do that at sports renaissance uh also email the program at chase podcast at gmail.com tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and then of course we're on youtube oh yeah youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast you'll find us there like and subscribe all the good stuff for all of our video content clips videos um as we continue growing the youtube page youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast all right uh it's time for college football uh, with matt green uncle darren
1: let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast Um, my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it
0: all right, we're back here late on a Wednesday here on the Chase Us Podcast, the full ride here on the Chase Us Podcast, which means fellow University of North Georgia alumni Matt Green is here. He's got a Georgia helmet behind him now. It's every week. You never know. It's going to be a framed <laughs> newspaper article, a helmet. The only thing that's certain is that the the Braves, Cubs, and Georgia Bulldogs flags will be behind him.
1: Yes, sir. Well, yeah, you know, those picture frames, that was just kind of out of the flex, a little of the championship uh, hardware, you know, but um, this obviously isn't permanently on my desk, but it felt like, you know, perfect, perfect uh, little, little office decor that I'm going for. I would
0: like to know what a championship feels like soon uh, in that in that regard. Uh, it's been a tough week, uh, Matt Green, uh, here in the Thomas household in Knoxville, Tennessee, but Oof. we're getting through it.
1: You know, I forgot about that. I wasn't even going to rub that in uh, to you. But, uh, yeah, you know, big-time season, you know, for the, for the Tennessee Vols. But uh, what is it? Is it something like 22 years in a row now that yes. the number one overall seed hasn't won the national championship? Three straight and- number one
0: overall seeds haven't even made it, made it out of the Super Regional. So last year was uh, Arkansas. They got upset by NC State. And then two years ago, UCLA lost at the number one overall seed in the Super Regional.
1: That's tough. And Arkansas, they were... They were like the defending champion at that point, weren't they? Were they trying to go back to back? They they won a championship recently, right? I think that's right, if I remember correctly. Um, that might be. Yeah, that. that's uh, that's tough. I um, full disclosure, I can't pretend that I wasn't uh, rooting a little bit for the Fighting Irish, <laughs> just because of all the everything school talk, sir. I'm sorry, I had to be honest with you. You knew everyone, and I don't even know as much about college baseball as a, as a lot of people. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Apparently everyone is rooting against this Tennessee team, for what it sounded like. They uh, they were not... People were not big fans of the way they played the game, if you will. Uh,
0: yeah, I wrote a lot about that. I wrote two different pieces about that um, this week, um, highlighting a lot of that. Uh, Paul Feinbaum was the latest to rip Patello uh, and this team, and look, man, I... <laughs> as someone who has watched this team a lot and as someone who has seen what they've done uh, in the community to see how this program rallied around Evan Russell and Charlie Taylor and um, who those guys really are and to have fun. And yeah, you can cite the flicking off the outfield in Georgia tech game and getting really, really emotional. But like when you're playing high stakes baseball, this team lost exactly zero home series this year before the Notre Dame loss. Zero. They lost one series as a whole, and that was against Kentucky, a random Lexington, Kentucky team, late in the year, and it was a mess. And then they came back. They did not; they were not down the entirety of the SEC tournament. They never trailed, and they are the only SEC team not to make it out of the super regional. Um, everyone else did, like you said. A lot of folks, the this Tennessee team rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But what drives me nuts, like, I don't really care if they're your cup of tea. I don't care because I enjoyed every second of this season. I was there in the building a lot and just seeing this team just bury people 10 to 1. Like, good baseball
1: teams, 12 to 1, 10 to 2. Without a doubt. I remember uh, Bill Green, my uh, my dad here, getting a shout out on the pod. He coached us in youth sports. I remember him always talking, like, do you want to be that team that people are like, you know – those North Cornette guys, they're just a bunch of good guys. I really like playing <laughs> against that team. Or are you going to be like, get after it and be like, yeah, I i hate playing against that team. Yes. Like you want to be the team no one wants to play against. Yeah. You know? So no, they were definitely, what were they? 50, 55 and eight, 56 and seven. Yeah. 56 and seven. Yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, that's tough on the bright side. You do have the championship feel of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, this is not hyperbole, Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Braves are never going to lose again.
0: Yeah. They are undefeated in the 14 in year. a row.
1: Mm-hmm. Never losing again. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, hey, little things. But they also won last year, so you're still getting some fool's gold there. Losing Ozzy this week really hurt. That's a bummer uh, for the foreseeable future.
1: I don't think he's back 100% all year. Orlando um, Garcia picking it up, though, while Ozzie's out. Two yeah. bombs in two games. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm sure it's
0: sustainable. Like, it's uh, it's going to be okay. No, um, sure. But
1: yeah, ultimately,
0: you the thing about college baseball that's different, and I'll put a bow on it in this regard, but um, I think a lot of the people – there's two things I want to end with this. The, a lot of the people who were like, humble pie, humble pie, like that was the the narrative is this is why you don't act this way. This is why you don't pump your chest out and you don't do – the problem with that is all those people watched as Tennessee won game after game that way. Was it because Arkansas didn't play this way last year? UCLA did not do that either. As a number one overall seed, they just lost. Sometimes that's baseball. So the people who are like, "Oh, you got a case of humble pie. This is why you don't talk." Blah blah blah. blah. Like this is their comeuppance. It's like, no, that's just baseball. It took. Them I mean, to- it's
1: kind of true to an extent, though. It's like baseball is like the ultimate like humility sport. Like. If you, you know, grab your crotch, go nuts, flick people off, like, and then strike out your next three times at bat, you you just seem kind of silly, you know? Well, that's it's kinda not what happened, it.
0: though. It was 50-plus wins where no, you're just for sure. burying but, people. And it's just funny to me because, like, there was a Notre Dame kid who flicked off the student section in Tennessee when he was running the bases at one point um you have their celebration where they do like a grenade where they whenever they hit a home run you saw it if you watch any of the games where if they hit a home run they get when they're jumping off the field they he jumps into the the team circle and they all pretend a bomb just went off like it's all fine it's all fun but the reason that tennessee lost over the weekend is not because of how they celebrated it's not because of how this team operated just say like we left chase burns in a little bit too long we got our bats went cold at the worst possible time but the humility or the bravado or whatever, we, the way we cared ourselves is not the reason Tennessee lost that series. It has nothing to do with it. So the people who are like, it's a humility thing. It's like, no, because in, in Vitello, and I wrote about this today, is in a lose-lose situation where it's like, if Tennessee had run the gauntlet, the same folks would be like, oh, the nastiest title of all time. They played the game the wrong way. Uh, they celebrated yeah. the wrong way. No, we don't like this program. But then if they lose, it's like, oh, see, told you so. This way of playing doesn't work. And it's like, well, did it not work for 22 straight number one overall seeds? Like, it's not – it's just so mind-numbingly simple and stupid the way that this Tennessee team has been talked about and what has come out uh, this week. It just sucks. Those kids were – No, that's
1: fair. But you can understand when you become the villain after playing like that. You know, they kind of accepted that role like –
0: so but they have. Like, they've you're going to have more
1: teams rooting against you when you when you play a certain way. Well, we're not going Rightly anywhere. or wrongly.
0: Patello you know? is not changing. He just won coach yeah, of the dude. year. Well, like, he this
1: should. Year. Tennessee should try to win 50-something games again next year.
0: Yes, and that's the cool thing about baseball, too. It's like you just want to be in the mix every year. You want to have a program where you're like, if the chips go the right way. Like, we went to Omaha last year, and Omaha was a wor- – This. 2021 team was a great team but they were not this team and they went to omaha and this team doesn't like baseball like you said it's just baseball's weird and the whole thing is to be um in the mix year every year and that's going to be the case this tennessee team is going to be jacked again next year and it's going to be one of the best SEC teams and it will be going forward like there's just the program's in really good shape the recruiting transfer portal all that kind of stuff's really really strong the rotation comes back but for the people who are very very happy Uh, that Tennessee went down man I had so much joy watching this team up close and (laughs) it sucked uh the way it ended over the weekend but man they the way this team just dominated people is something I've never seen before Matt and like I'm gonna tell my grandkids one day of like you would not believe you can't be telling your
1: grandkids about teams that lose in the super regional yes you can (laughs) because of what they did they had this isn't the fab five the fab five got to the national championship
0: well, here's the difference. There's so many more levels. Like you have to get the SEC tournament, no, you get through sure, regionals. Sure. You have to get through super regionals. You have to get through the College World Series. They're, like it's so difficult to run the College World Series gauntlet. But like I told some folks too, what sucks about college baseball versus like college football is that like we were the Alabama of college baseball this year. This was the Death Star of college baseball, and it reminded a lot of folks where well, Alabama. You just felt helpless week over week during the what? pinnacle. And that's what we were doing to teams. Like we were, were you the, guys
1: were you guys down your top two wide receivers? No, I'm not saying this past year. No, I'm no, saying
0: I'm prime. Trying. Yeah, no, I'm saying prime. And we were down our best player on Saturday because he got tossed uh early on Friday for
1: arguing balls. Yeah, he reminded me of Jackie Moon there. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? You, you said S my C, Jackie. <laughs> but
0: here's the issue with that too. I I, I have so many words to eye on. I can <laughs> goodness gracious but ultimately (laughs) i don't even remember my train of thought anymore whatever go vols uh things are fine everything's Uh, cool everything's cool uh that's that's where we're at um speaking of schools and college football uh in general matt green um how many days until the return of college football
1: we are 79 days away mm. from the college football season sir i'm glad you, I asked. you about to do a
0: we are penn state type deal you had the pause there where it felt like a we are penn state
1: oh did i no yeah. that's that's not where i was going with it but um yeah i we are farmers honestly is what i think of <laughs> before before i think of uh we are penn state but um we're gonna go with 79 the greatest 79 of all time jonathan ogden UCLA. Hmm. I think um, you could argue greatest offensive tackle of all time, really, Jonathan Ogden. I think most people probably say Orlando Pace, hmm. but this guy, like, you look up Jonathan Ogden's pro football resume; it's just absurd. But he was a he was the same dominant force in college. What was he six nine? Like, just absurdly huge. But yeah, Jonathan Ogden, I think, was the clear uh, number seventy nine here. Hmm. Um, So we got 79 days till college football. So I started looking up a little little about Jonathan Ogden, right? Mm -hmm. Fourth overall pick of the 96 draft, okay? Um, Three Pro Bowlers went ahead of him. None of them Hall of Famers. Uh, Do you think you can guess who the first three... Two of these guys played for the same school that went top three in the draft. Do you think you can name top three picks... Of the '96 draft, they went ahead of Jonathan Ogden. That's your that's your first round of your trivia.
0: '96 went a.
1: Uh, was it two Penn State guys? It was not. Okay, this is not the little. It was area. two Big Ten guys, same okay. school, not Ohio State, Michigan. No. Hmm. If I gave you the school, I'm not sure you would know it. To okay, be honest, you might get one of them. Illinois. '96 Illinois. Illinois, which I'd have to look up what Illinois uh, did in 1995, but um,
0: oh, there's no way, man! I have no Simeon idea. Rice.
1: Oh, you remember Simeon Rice. Oh my goodness, he was
0: an Illinois guy. I don't even remember that. Yeah,
1: he went third overall. Yeah, Kevin Hardy went second overall. I don't know if you don't remember that name, played for Jacksonville for for a few years. He was a Pro Bowler, not a Hall of Famer. Keyshawn Johnson yes. went first overall in that draft. The second part of my uh, of the trivia for you: Five Hall of Famers mm-hmm. were drafted in the '96 draft. Jonathan Ogden being one of them. How many of the other four Hall of Famers from the 1996 can you, uh, draft can you name? I would say all four of these guys probably have an argument for being like top five of all time in their position. Like these are these are some elite of elite Hall of Famers here. Also, in 1995, Illinois went 5-5-1, five, five, and one. so <laughs> Simeon Rice and Kevin Hardy did not have a huge impact on that, uh, on that win-loss record.
0: Okay. So this is before Peyton Woodson. Um, this is 96. Let me think. Um, Curtis Martin? Is he in that?
1: Oh, that's a good guess. I don't know what year he's drafted, but no. Okay. That's wrong. Um, I'm thinking. Is uh, Curtis Martin top five all time? No one would ever say that. Yeah, get, no, get out true. of here. So
0: you're saying top five of, of their? I'm saying these guys could
1: borderline. They have a legitimate argument.
0: Troy Aikman was not 96, was he?
1: No, I was going to get to the quarterbacks last okay. uh, with with you. Uh, so I'll get to the quarterbacks. Man, this 96. I'll give you the positions. Okay. Two wide receivers, a linebacker, and a safety. M- a middle linebacker and a safety. Zach Thomas? Oh, that's a good guess. No. You may me to give him to you? Brian Erlacher? No, I think he was a little yeah. later, like '01. 96, middle linebacker. But it's Erlacher level. It's Erlacher level. Who? Brewski? No. Nope. Teddy Bruski. Get out of here. He's. <laughs> Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is the linebacker from 96. I was thinking he was later. Okay. Safety, what about the safety? Safety,
0: not Ed Reed. Uh, yeah, cuz
1: Ray, Ray Lewis is a little bit before like the U kind of yeah. got rejuvenated. He was probably there for the worst years. Safety. Steve Atwater? No. I'm going to give you this. I'm I'm going to say Brian Dawkins. Oh, is he
0: 96? Okay.
1: And then the two wide receivers. I mean, these are 96. These are right up your wheelhouse. These are receivers you remember growing up. Not Moss. Nope.
0: Jerry Rice? No. No. Yeah, that's 96. What am I doing? Um, I'm just thinking top five. Like, I'm just naming top five in my head of all time. They're close.
1: I mean, they have to be. You have to get... Get to these guys pretty close if you're naming, like, the greatest receivers of all time. Not
0: Tim Brown. Not, um, hold on, I'm thinking.
1: Marvin Harrison? Marvin Harrison. There you go. There's one. You got one. Okay. Um, He he was a first, I think he was a late first rounder. uh, Or 19th overall. Not too late.
0: Okay. Marvin Harrison got one. Not Jimmy Smith.
1: Not. This guy was a third rounder. He was a third rounder. Yes, almost near the end of the third, almost fourth rounder. Not Irvin. Not
0: um, not T. Smith. I'm looking at my NFL helmets right now. Um, All right, I'm just going to say Chris it. Carter.
1: No, good no. guess though. Tio um, Terrell Owens.
0: Was he really
1: 96? Yes, I have. I mean, what he played like 15 years in the league or something. I guess he did. God, we're getting old, man. I'm like, but yeah. So, big time draft in 96. Last thing I'll say quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks went in the first three rounds of this draft. No, none in the first round. Probably the seven quarterbacks total in this draft. Probably the worst crop of quarterbacks I've ever seen in a draft. Who was it? I think Tony Banks was probably the best quarterback in this class. He went in second round. You remember him, Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny Cannell was in this draft, like fourth round. No disrespect to Danny Cannell. Appreciate the work you do. Um, and then Bobby Hoying from Ohio State. Like, he was probably the next best one. Like, there's, there was absolutely nobody in, in this draft as far as quarterbacks go. It's crazy. That's wild. Um,
0: interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Trivia time. That was good. That was fun. Hey, man.
1: So seventy nine days till college football season. We're uh, we're getting
0: there. We are getting there. Um, Matt Green, uh, Texas A and M. What did Nick Saban suspended or fined this week for what he said out loud um, about Texas A buying their entire recruiting class? Um, when you saw this, what was your what was your first reaction, Matt Green?
1: Like I was hoping they had some kind of like. I don't know, a smoking gun I wasn't aware of. Like, what what rule did he break? Like we're gonna suspend Nick Saban for for giving his an op- opinion about another team? Like, no, I thought honestly, I'm just so tired of text saying him already. Like people are like when you're the upstart that's like trying to like knock off one of like the big boys and you're like doing it, like you're you're building that, like people don't root against that team, right? Like people are like They usually want someone to knock off the big boys, you know. Mm -hmm. People, a And M, just what they—they keep talking. They're just—they're not a team that anyone's pulling for. Like, even though they're like, everyone complains about seeing the same couple teams win all the time. Like, you would think you would like to see a And M come along and challenge them, but because of Jimbo just running his mouth and then just whining all the time, like I don't know, it's. Like I'm almost tired of uh of A and M already. I think everyone's tired of A and M. It's like guys just, just win win more than eight games in a season and then you know, then we'll worry about you guys. Like, just if you're not breaking any rules, like why do you keep like why are you worried about the perception of how you got your recruiting class? Like I don't know. It just it, it feels so I don't know, inferiority complex to me.
0: Well it's definitely like one of those things where I don't think Jimbo understood, and this is still something where, I mean, I don't think Sabin I'll take this to the end, is that, like, I don't think Sabin was attacking Jimbo. Um, I think he was looking at it as, like, this is where we're at. This is what we've got to change to compete with A&M going forward. Um, I I just, it's such a silly thing that got blown out of proportion where this comes out, you're, like you said, where... You're with the big boys now. Like this is not what you do, man. Just take it in stride and move on. Like this is not something that you need to go to war with. Like this is you like there is nuance there where AM, like, you've developed this great pipeline, you have a great history, like you've had number one picks in the draft, like Miles Garrett, you're you're building something. Like two years ago they were on the precipice of making the College football playoff. Like that's something that people discounted, is that the twenty twenty A and M team was really, really good. And uh, I think people just kind of forgot about that when people talk about AM still hasn't broken through in the SEC. And I'm like, well, they kind That's of did fair. in 2020. It was just a weird year in the COVID year. So it was just bad timing on that front. Um, there was a case to be made they were one of the four best teams in college football uh, in yeah, 2020. I,
1: mean, I was arguing them over Notre Dame just because, you know, we saw what they did against a healthy Trevor Lawrence, basically, yeah. got blown out of the water. But there was also the. Ohio State aspect, too, that we all just knew how good Ohio State was, but they went like 5-0, and 6-0, and we just mm. put them in the playoff. Like, no, they're good, though. Just put them in there. And they wanted me to beat Clemson, so they obviously were really good. But we've seen Ohio State be the most talented team in the country, basically, every year over the last decade, and somehow lose to Iowa, somehow lose to Purdue. So like if you play a 12-game schedule, they definitely could have been tripped up and A&M sitting there at 10-1 and one, like a normal season, it's very possible they could have gotten in the playoff.
0: Yeah, and I just, <laughs> it's one of those things where AM like you're getting compliments. Like everyone wants to be in the position that you're in right now. You have this great thing where you have an elite coach who's won a national title, you've got elite talent, you got elite recruiting, you've got a strong staff. Like you beat Alabama this past year Like, things are good, man. Like, just take it. Like, you're not, like you said, it's an inferiority complex where it's like, look at Texas. They would kill to be who you are right now. They cannot get their ducks in a row ever. And you're over here just chugging along, number one recruiting class. Like, you had the number one class. You have Saban Shook a little bit where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to compete with him year over year if they have this.
1: How many times do you think Alabama fans talked about how much they hated Mark Richt? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think they ever said anything about Mark Richt? And yeah. two years into Kirby, maybe a year into Kirby being at Georgia, they hated Kirby. So, mm-hmm. if Alabama hates what you're doing or has something takes exception to what you're doing, you're probably doing something right. So, I would agree. it's like you know, a
0: compliment it, that Saban went after you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think I think what you said is ultimately right. He wasn't actually coming after them. This wasn't a SEC Media Days thing. He's talking to his base, and he's yep. like, "Look." They just bought every player they got. If we want to compete, we need to go out and start buying players. like yeah. that's that's what he's saying. So he's really like trying to uh, trying to loosen the, the the purse straps, if you will. so um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt Something like my, once I heard it, I just felt like am wow, there's just more more whining from am basically.
0: I think it was one of those things too. I think it was uh, Chuck Oliver of 680 who said it's like one of those things where Jimbo when you look at his age, and you look at what he brought was brought up into and what the rules have been in college football forever i think those older coaches are going to take this kind of thing more personally where it's like well that's cheating and it's like well no what you're doing is legal but they don't they see it they hear it and they think cheating and like oh you're disrespecting it's like no 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 the new era of college football you're doing it right like what we're actually saying is you're not cheating you are playing within the system that is currently constructed And you're doing it better than anybody else. Like, I don't think Hypo would have that same response that Jimbo did about uh, this upcoming recruiting class or anything like that. I think it's more the younger coaches like Napier. I don't think we'll have this response. I think it's one of those where I think it might be an age thing where coaches who have done it for so long and have done it the right way or know how, like, how have just been brought up and coached in this industry for decades. And known like what is cheating and what's not and like how you talk about this kind of thing it's just gonna take some time for these guys to get used to it where Saban at his age he's like this is the reality this is what we're doing but other coaches if you've been in it for a long time you are less inclined to just be like oh yeah that's it like Kirk Ferentz of the world like that would I'm sure he would have a close uh, uh reaction to the way Jimbo did
1: and or Gary Patterson or uh yeah kind of like Bo Ryan when when they lost the national championship to Duke it's like we're never going to do that rent a player Mm -hmm. garbage it's like well the best players in the country are going one and done to college (laughs) so you should probably try to get some of those players yeah um yeah whatever it's like Dabo saying he's not going to use the portal or whatever it's like okay you can sit on your high horse if you want (laughs) but you're doing yourself a disservice uh, if you don't utilize everything you can to to make your team as good as you can so yeah I'm sure he's just a little insulted. like Am is signing a couple top five classes before the Nil thing you know came into be came to be you know but like just who cares? like you're signing number one classes. like that's what it takes to win national championships. like you have to sign big time classes. like you're on your way. like yeah. you beat Alabama last year even though you you only what it finished eight and five or yeah. whatever they finished. It's when like you're on the precipice of the playoff at two years ago, like you're things are good. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I don't don't worry about what, what the haters are saying. Like, get out of here. Exactly.
0: Um, I, I agree 100%. Um, well, Vic Burley. Oh, speaking of it, because we got Clemson on the brain now, because we're going to talk about Clemson in a second. But do you know how many – I heard this today on another podcast, and I hadn't considered this, because I knew they were okay. Like, Clemson was never an elite football program before Dabo started this run um, in 2015. But do you know how many top – Five finishes the program actually had before this run started?
1: Well, I know they won the championship in what, like eighty one or something mm-hmm. like that. Um I don't know, ever? Maybe what seven? One
0: wow really they had only finished in the top five once before this run started
1: wow i did not know that. is that not I, insane because i think of them as a respectable program like they had a
0: bunch of good solid years
1: like yeah. they're just solid but it was the, never the top woody danceler years yeah charlie, charlie whitehurst. whitehurst there you yeah. go
0: like they were always solid they were just never great chauncey Stucky. Like all those great uh, Northside Side
1: Warner, Warner rob. Who was the quarterback in? when uh, when C.J. Spiller and James? That, Taj that, Boyd? Was, that was probably after. It's probably after Whitehurst, but before Taj Boyd in there. Is it before know. Taj? I would. I was thinking so because I'm hmm. thinking James Davis and Spiller. That was like 06, 07. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll <laughs> have to get back to you on that one. But that's just kind of what it was. They were
0: just not. They were not that kind of program. Um, and now they are. Uh, they get Vic Burley, five star kid. Um, he get he's from Warner Robins. Uh, he committed this week to Clemson. Uh, this was not a shock to me. I remember listening to Austin Price on Volquest podcast a couple weeks ago because uh, Vic was part of the big Rocky Top Palooza over Memorial Day weekend uh, in late May uh, with with all the five stars and four stars who are on Tennessee's campus and. It, he just said he's not coming and it was one of those things where and he was like he's not going to georgia either i think and i was like huh because i assumed if he didn't go to tennessee he was going to georgia uh being a georgia guy and he winds up at clemson so but that, that was pretty interesting what do you think
1: yeah um uh, big time dude for clemson for sure like he's top 40 top 50 commit so um yeah getting guys out of the state of georgia that's a. Uh... That's that's been Clemson's bread and butter here uh, in recent years. They've, I feel like they, especially defensive line, they seem to have gotten a, a lot of guys out of the state of Georgia, and you know you're you're still you're going to see that with how good of a program they are. I, I think I think he's more. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be more of a pass rusher, or more of that like uh, I guess Clemson runs at four three, so I mm-hmm. guess be that that your typical like stand up defensive end, or sometimes have your hand in the dirt, so. Yeah, getting big time dudes out of Warner Robbins for sure. And they also got uh, Jamal Anderson's son. Uh, yeah, as I well saw from No Creek. We're getting old, man. My uh, my buddy actually, uh, they're family friends with uh, with Jamal Anderson uh, and his family. Like she uh, she nannyed for them and stuff when when they were younger. Uh, I'm sure for this kid when he was younger. So um, he was he was talking about going on a visit official visit to Florida. Mm. Um, and my buddy's a huge Florida fan, so they were going to let him take him on the visit to Florida. But I think with all these spots getting uh, snatched up by Clemson, there's like their five or six commits I think in the last mm. week or two. I think he just wanted to make sure he had, he had a spot, so he went and jumped on. What position is he? I I believe he's a safety. Okay. Um,
0: I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Interesting. Tennessee got another legend, but he's also following his dad though. Not doing the Rodney Harrison's son is part of this class at Tennessee oh okay yeah i think his son i forgot where he went in Atlanta. i know I uh,
1: todd bowles son is also a big time um linebacker uh hmm. in this class as well i think he was visiting georgia this past weekend interesting
0: i would assume he's troy Bowles.
1: To... i want to say hmm because he's head coach now right he is the head coach Bo- of the tampa in tampa bay, bay. yeah hmm That is
0: interesting. Um, There was one other guy who I saw where I was like, what what was that class? There was that picture of the three baseball players, like Sheffield, Drew Jones, and somebody else, where you're like, goodness gracious. I think Marquise Grissom's son plays for somebody. Is Is that right? Is he a Tech guy? He might be at Georgia Tech. Um, But, yeah, it's just there's a lot of
1: folks. I think Asante Samuel was the first first one that I was like, (laughs) wait, what? He was playing in, like, 2010 or something. <laughs> like, his kid, he's already got a kid playing D1. I mean, he's he might be in the NFL now. He is in the NFL. Uh, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, that was the first one, I feel like, that really made me feel old. Yeah.
0: I don't even, I wish I remembered. I don't remember the first guy. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. was kind of wild. I remember that stunned me, where I was like, Fernando Tatis has not been out of the league that long. Like, why? Like, that was one of those where mm. that was pretty wild. Um, well, the Big Four, Matt Green, they're moving to the Big 12 starting next year. I love that there's going to be an overlap with this Big Four coming into the Big 12 and that we're going to get this at least for one year, maybe two. If, are uh, we? There's yeah. no chance.
1: Have, have they announced that we're getting that? I think Oklahoma
0: this... and Texas are not out
1: next year. Like the earliest is 2024. So they're getting a year with this group. To me, this is the writing on the wall. Like, why would you? I don't just think. I just don't think you would do that. It would be so. I it's don't a know, lot I mean, of money. It's all about money. Get out earlier, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just this feels like the writing on the wall. The SEC's for, in no
0: rush to add them. They're already getting two of four in the college football playoff every year.
1: But what are we gonna have? A uh, I mean, I guess this is just a 14 team conference. Yes. If you for just one year, so it's not an absurdly big conference. Uh, if yet, and I guess. It wasn't announced at BYU, they announced the other 3, no, but BYU I guess cuz BYU is, BYU is no, not in a announced. conference. So, oh okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, they don't have to leave a conference to get yes. in. So, yeah, um I'm all for it, man. I I hate like this idea of these lame duck conferences. It's like we know we know what we're going to do. Just go ahead and throw them in there. Like we want to see these teams in the Big 12. I It'll be interesting for sure. I I guess you so you think they'll definitely have this 14 team conference yes. for, for one season?
0: I think it's going to be two. I really don't think Texas and Oklahoma are coming early. I think it's 2025 is when they come. Mm. Because I don't think the college football playoffs changing anytime soon. So I think we got a couple more years of that. And because of that and because that the SEC feels good about how represented they are in the college football playoff year over year, they're not in any rush to add more pieces to the pie yet. Like they've already got them locked in, they know they're coming. So it's like, hey, let's just drag this out for a couple more years. We're fine. We're going to keep putting one to two in every year anyway. Um, I don't know. I think it's a lot of money they'd have to shell out to get them out of there quicker. Um, I just, I don't think that's going to happen. And it's like, Oklahoma's going to be fine. Like I read a really good piece on ESPN about the plan Venables has in place. And he brought in uh, the guy who really helped Dabo. Uh, it's like Bad Turnip Seed, I think is his name, something like that. It was Turnip like, Seed? Yeah. <laughs> who... <laughs> Yeah, man. I have he, not heard of this guy. Well, he's just a behind-the-scenes wonder guy uh, who's built a lot of programs, and he's kind of one of the big names behind the scenes to, who built Dabo and uh, Clemson up in 2015. But um, you read about the operation, you read about Vendable's vision, and like how, like how he's doubled the staff, and he's just added... like He has studied how they're going to have to transition. He's obviously someone who's had success against the SEC, Clemson having a lot of success over the years against Alabama... I think Oklahoma's going to be fine. And I actually think Venables is going to be a better fit against SEC competition week over week than Lincoln Riley would have been. Um, No disrespect. They're both great coaches in different ways. But I do think Venables, I think he's going to be fine. I think Oklahoma is going to be fine in the SEC. I do not think Texas is going to be fine. And I think this is a doomsday scenario with them having to stick around for two more years, potentially, with the big four. Because here's the thing. Houston's been better than Texas. UCF was better this past year. Uh, BYU was definitely better, earn a better spot. Like but your the level, son... of,
1: the level of competition is also very different too. Though it's like, I mean, the, the AAC has been good for a Group of Five conference, but week in and week out, Texas is pe- playing more difficult competition than Houston or, or UCF are.
0: That's true, but I'm telling you, man, this is. <laughs> They do not want them in this conference next year because this is just... I'm telling you that, like, there's a possibility that they go... Like, with Cincinnati, too, who I didn't even mention, who just went to the college football playoff, they're absolutely in a better situation than Texas. There's a chance Texas, like, has goes into the SEC under 500 that they're, like, they finish 6th, 7th in the, in the Big 12. Like, they are no sure thing whatsoever. And these programs that are coming to the Big 12 next year... All of them are in a healthy football place. UCF with Gus, like it was a weird transition. They still beat Florida in the bowl game. They went ball eligibility. Cincinnati is in a great place. They are able to keep Fickle. BYU is a premier program right now. They know exactly who they are. They're going to be a pain in the ass every week. And then you have um, Houston, who might go undefeated this year with their schedule. Like this is, these are four really competent college football programs that are moving up. That are not scared of Texas. Look at Sam Pittman. He's like, I want to play Texas every year. Give me Texas. I think the SEC is licking their chops with Texas, and I think these guys who are coming into the Big Twelve are like, Oklahoma is going to be a pain. Like we're not expecting to upend that. Like they've run this conference for twenty years now, but like Texas, they think they're going to leave and they're going to blah blah blah. Here's a rude awakening. You're going three and nine when you leave. That's what's happening. We're just going to bury you. Like they are going to get everyone's best game and. I just I don't think this is gonna go well with these uh, teams going into the conference before they leave. I think it's bad.
1: oh man I um you know I mean i I definitely can see that like I could there's definitely a possibility of that. I think this is just this is gonna be a perfect like controlled variable I think for mm. the for the group of five versus power five debate that we've always had for years because houston these all do seem like very competent like established like just stable programs Mm -hmm. and so it i would i would really like to see like i'm going to like to see what they do in their first year against big 12 competition because the big 12 isn't the sec it's not the big 10 but it is still a good conference with a lot of good teams Mm -hmm. and and it's it's better than playing east carolina and better than playing you know the i'm, I'm blanking on two lanes of the world you know mm-hmm. like it, it is like it is a much more difficult conference so i'm i'm and then those two teams and those four teams are going to make it a better conference too i wonder how good how good they really are and i think we're going to see it um see it play out on the field
0: there is a scenario where they're 3 and 9 i'm folks write it in i'm not trying to upset you longhorn nation but
1: but don't you think there's a scenario where cincinnati joins the big 12 and they go seven and five and they're just like oh wow this is we've we play like two two games a year versus the five or six or seven best teams we are playing in the in the big 12 like i think that's also a a very real possibility for ucf and for houston too so and, and byu especially like byu they play tough schedule. Isn't BYU... typically they do, but they don't typically play the level of athlete that's that's playing in the Big 12, that's playing in the Southeast like UCF is playing. So, I don't know. We'll, Hold we'll see. Hold on, BYU
0: basically won the Pac-12 last
1: year. Let's not let's not forget. They were the Pac-12 South champion. That's true. Pac-12 I'd say is by far the worst of the Power 5 conferences, right? I mean, they I beat mean... Washington State.
0: They lost to Baylor. They um, they crushed Virginia. They, they beat, beat Utah USC. last year, right? They beat Utah. They beat Arizona.
1: They beat Arizona State. They did beat the Pac-12 champion. That's respectable uh, that's, uh, that's respectable. I'm not worried sure. about BYU in the Big
0: 12. Like, I'm not worried. And you that's know what else fair. bums me out? Is that, like, this all makes sense. Like, I wish Texas and Oklahoma were staying because this would be a great, fun conference. If this was the 14 for a while, like, this would be a really fun, competitive, pain-in-the-ass conference. A lot of different kind of teams. I think this would be really, really cool. And... Texas
1: yeah, and, it and honestly leaving. would be. I'm curious to how BYU got in one of these conferences before Boise State ever did. Size, like is is that it? Like, what's just like, what no Boise one State wants to go State's up to like Idaho? That?
0: I don't think they have the the money. I think uh,
1: BYU. Is Salt the Lake City is also probably like a bigger TV market, maybe than. Boise, I would assume I don't they could
0: get the facilities. Like, okay, so their tw- enrollment was twenty two thousand in twenty fifteen. I don't think the money is anywhere close. I'm gonna go ahead and guess that BYU is a lot more money and more booster power. Than yeah, Boise. that could be it. because uh, now I'm looking BYU enrollment also thirty three thousand. Uh, to
1: to update you um on Clemson's quarterback situation. Yes. In two thousand nine it was Kyle Parker Ooh. I remember
0: him, he had a visor.
1: That's literally what I was gonna say. Uh, Willie Corn, big time five star, was a true freshman on that team. I have
0: no recollection of him.
1: I, oh, you don't remember Willie Corn? I don't remember. He Willie was from Korn. that powerhouse uh, uh, Burns hmm. in, in South Carolina. Okay. Um, but he was like, like maybe the number one quarterback in the country. But I don't think anything ever really really happened with him. But uh, James Davis wasn't on the team in '09. oh8 okay. was the last team with James Davis and CJ Spiller, which they only combined for just under 1400 yards between the two of them. I would hmm. was kind of surprised by that. And Colin Harper was and the him. uh was the quarterback. 13 touchdowns and 14 picks. So, yeah. you know, not not damn, but his uh junior year he had 27 touchdowns and six picks. So, I'm not sure what happened to uh to Colin Harper his senior year from from, 06 Strong to, to, from 07 to 708, but uh no opposite opposite he had a he had a no, great junior went... year and a terrible senior year this this guy did oh that's what i'm saying wait what, that's what stetson, stetson showed the natural improvement this guy got good and then his senior year is terrible oh you're saying it flipped okay never mind I, yeah I yeah understand. so okay. uh, let's hope that's not stetson's he's still gonna play his senior year so well, the we'll weird thing what about stetson too is just that like
0: if you talk to any georgia fans who look you're still riding high it's great but like it ends with a loss. Like Stetson does not end the, the year better than he had it last time. Like he's not riding out in the sunset. Like if you're betting on running the gauntlet back to back years, man, you're a college football historian, Matt Green. You know you know how this goes.
1: I would not I mean, I would not bet on Georgia winning the national championship this year, although I did put a futures bet in for them to win last year. Won a cool won a cool five Hundo last year, no did big you deal. Really? Um I did you ten to one this? 10 to 1 odds. I took them. Put 50 down. Obviously, we should have put more down knowing that now that they won. But yeah, so it was Did you was use solid. that money
0: to hire a landscaper so that your elderly... You neighbor know, <laughs> I it.
1: actually, my buddy's uh, wife went out to Las Vegas last week and actually cashed my ticket for me. So I actually don't have the cash in hand, but I will soon.
0: Can you do but, that? I didn't know you could actually have someone cash someone else's ticket. Oh, How does yeah. that work?
1: You just go I mean, in there and you have a winning ticket and you're just like, hey, here's a winning ticket. Here's. Oh, they don't need IDs or anything? No, I mean you can, they take the tickets. You can't hmm. like keep it for like a souvenir or anything. But yeah, so I think when people have like a guy in Vegas or something, yeah. historically, they're like – they have someone who's placing their bets for them you know, and, and sending cash, you know?
0: I'm just not familiar. I've got to get more familiar with it, but I just—I I believe you. I would just be in over my head at this point. I don't know how it all works for the most part. So that's interesting. I didn't know. I assume you had to have ID. Uh, but I,
1: I got off on a tangent though. Yeah. But but yeah, in terms of in Georgia in 2022, I—I I just don't think the schedule is that tough. Like I, I agree. think I would bet. I would bet on Georgia going 12 and 0. Like I think. I, it's, don't. I it's don't. It's not losing like one. It's possible for sure, but it's. I think Tennessee is the best team on their schedule, and the fact that that game's at home, it's not like a terrifying game. I think yeah. if like if it's Oregon or Tennessee, and like Oregon, is
0: that is that really Oregon. the
1: team? Like I don't see Kentucky beating Georgia. Like I don't see like Mississippi State like a fluky one. I think you're overlooking Mississippi too. State might Mississippi be State. Mississippi State might be the toughest along with tennessee in well, here's what's interesting like as see, a georgia fan i'm just not worried about kentucky it's just kentucky,
0: kentucky has been the road, a solid
1: program
0: the one i would say the one is south carolina that you haven't mentioned for whatever reason kirby in south carolina That's, and just going to south carolina
1: there's well, the one the one time people forget <laughs> nobody forgets <laughs> Uh, I love but that yeah. I was
0: with uh, one of my best friends, Ryan, uh, watching that game at the time, and him losing his absolute mind at that Georgia-South Carolina game, and me just, oh man, it was, I've never seen a man down that bad. It was, that was
1: rough. It was, yeah, I mean, you talk about just, like, obviously, anytime anyone loses in, like, an upset, it's, it's always on them, you know, mm-hmm. it's never the other team made the plays to to win. We, we beat ourselves. <laughs> There's, I've never seen a bigger definition of beating yourself, like four pit, like four turnovers, I think in that game, like I know from through three picks, I think he threw three of like his five interceptions on the season in that game. Um, just so uncharacteristic of from a couple of those were like off the receiver's hands, just into the re- defensive backs hands. And one of those was a pick six. Like I think South Carolina had like 150 yards of offense in that game. Yeah. like.
0: It was, it was a nasty game. I feel like South Carolina. Rodrigo, was
1: Rodrigo, all-American kicker, misses like two field goals. Like it was, it, like everything that could have possibly happened, and he still what scored seventeen. It was like twenty to seventeen or something in overtime. Like no points were scored that day. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a bad one. But it, it's and it's a noon kickoff too at South Carolina. That place. Oof. It'll be rocking second, third week of September. Williams Bryce Stadium is going to be it's going to be a hundred degrees in that stadium. But you know, it's going to take a huge improvement from South Carolina. Like, but no, it doesn't because we've seen you
0: lose to bad South Carolina teams. Like, it might just be an ugly game that they just. But if you think about it, that,
1: was sprier? Like, no, it wasn't. The spurrier years when when people talk about Georgia having like trouble with oh, South okay. Carolina, it's all spurrier. Like since Spurrier left, Georgia dominates South Carolina. Like there is the one 2019 upset, but mm-hmm. you like most of these games aren't even close. Like since I think that's the only time I think South Carolina's won what since since 20, 2014 that was Gurley's uh, junior year. So Georgia lost that one hmm. since 2015. Were just blown out, I think, South Carolina in most of the games, other than the one upset loss, so I think a lot is just made from, like, just Spurrier just kind of coaching circles around Mark Richt, like, just regardless of the quarterback situation, just manipulating the game to score enough points, like, Spurrier was just kind of a, a, a tactical, like, master in that way, I feel like, calling the fake field goals and fake punts at the right time, that kind of stuff, so... I, I just don't think that same like just just how susceptible Georgia is in general. I just don't think the just the complete culture, just the whole feeling of Georgia. It's just different than it was under Mark Richt, where it just it feels like any Saturday a team could show up that's just lays an egg, and it doesn't under Kirby. It doesn't seem that way. I think I think South. I think that's the one loss since 2017. I think that's the only team Georgia's lost to that didn't finish like top 12 in the rankings. Like. For the most part, Georgia's only losing to the really good teams in their schedule under Kirby.
0: Yeah, we'll see. But
1: there's a chance South Carolina is one of those good teams. Like with, with Radler, second year of Shane Beamer. You know, I'm a big year year two head coach guy. Like he had a breakthrough year. I kind of think the seven and six is a little uh like a little hollow. Like Auburn is in that in that seven, Florida's in that seven, just teams that were just in, in such terrible positions like when South Carolina played them like Florida had given up on their season like not to not just poo-poo on everything Beamer did in year one but I just I don't know I, I it's hard to be too worried about South Carolina like as a Georgia fan right right now just I don't know we'll, we'll see Rattler could be the ultimate x-factor that they're they're a completely different team next year yeah
0: and I mean if they go 12 and 0 it wouldn't surprise me like I look at it as more of, I don't think they run the gauntlet of going 12-0, winning the SEC title game against like an AM or Bama, and then beating another SEC West team in the playoff, and then an Ohio State with the way Ohio State's stacked up. Like, that just seems unlikely with the amount of turnover on this defense and where they're at.
1: Like, it would just surprise the one, me. The one thing I'll say is I will be surprised if Georgia isn't playing in the SEC championship with a yeah. chance to go to the playoff. Like I would twenty, like twenty eighteen, people didn't think they were going to go to the playoff, but they were mm. ranked fourth. And you know, if they won, they were in twenty nineteen versus LSU. Like they were ranked fourth or fifth. People didn't think they were going to win, but they had that opportunity. I could see something similar. Maybe they're eleven and one, ranked fourth or fifth, and they have to win the SEC championship to get in. Like I guess I would be surprised if Georgia is ten and two in the SEC championship. Going into the SEC championship game, or even misses the SEC championship completely, like I, I don't see us—I don't see anything worse than eleven and one, hmm. personally. And it I was... think that's that's mainly because of the schedule, not because I think Georgia's just going to be unquestionably that good again. I think the offense could definitely be better with how much they have coming back.
0: Um, Matt Green, I have a trivia question for you. Hit me. The last time. Georgia went to Mississippi State what was the result
1: oh man was the last time they went like 2010 yes it was oh shoot they did lose I want to say 24 to 12 that is L- correct is that a 20- score that was the score let's go I think there was like a oh man that may have been when they had that big running back that was like kind of the workhorse uh mm. was that Dixon Dude that Anthony played, Dixon? yeah, 49ers. I want to say he yeah. was on that team. That was Mullen, right? Yes. Yeah, that was Rick's uh, Rick's one losing season. Lost to UCF in the, what was that? <laughs> what bowl game was The UCF Liberty Bowl? Or, uh, Speaking of, was... did you see Outback Bowl got renamed? Oh, man, it's a <laughs> sad day, isn't it? Like that's a, We've talked about that before. Like These corporate sponsors I grew up well, with. Well, you're going like, to love yeah, it. Yeah, those are normal names. Yeah, what is it? The ReliaQuest Bowl. Like Relia Quest? What is this? What is that company? Do you even know? I have no idea, but it is the ReliaQuest Bowl. It just sounds like a generic corporate name. Like, I don't know. It's like Nokia. They're global cybersecurity.
0: Cyber okay. Based out of Tampa.
1: But yeah, I just grew up with the Nokia Sugar Bowl. And it's like, that just sounded normal. But that was obviously a corporate... A corporate name, but it was like yeah, that's the one I grew up with. But yeah, now seeing the, the PlayStation Fiesta, Bowl, it's it's uh it's not right. But yeah, Outbag Bowl, what is this? But that was one of the last things we had left.
0: But I will say you're in good hands. Georgia's lost to Mississippi State once since nineteen seventy
1: four. Oh wow. So but but twenty ten so was the last time they went at Mississippi State? That was, yes. Man, that's, that's... And then
0: before that, you did 20, or 2005, and then before that, it was 1996. You basically went once a decade, because the last, one time before that was 88, and then 82. Yeah, you basically almost went every other decade.
1: Yeah, and the schedules were weird in the 90s. Like, I think they had multiple locked teams from the West. Like, Georgia used to play Ole Miss every year for a while Well, divisions the didn't 90s. exist.
0: I think people assume that divisions and conferences... Well, to 92 forever...
1: is when they started. Yeah. But even like in the '90s, like Auburn and uh, Florida were still playing every year, and like Georgia and Ole Miss were like locked rivals for a while there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The, it was it's weird how they got the these conferences set up. But that's why I'm so in favor of these the new the new scheduling. Man, everybody playing everybody twice in four years like that that excites me. Everyone like you play four years in college, you're gonna play at every stadium in the SEC. Like that's awesome.
0: Yeah there you go there you go matt green uh army navy moving to five different sites over the next five years i just love the army navy game uh come from a very military heavy family both sides dad's a retired marine but man i don't uh, it's, I, it's because they want to expand the brand i get that a little bit but uh not doing it in annapolis or and uh, i think the, it's been annapolis and philadelphia I wanna philadelphia say. usually yeah. right
1: I don't really. But they've like... changed it up a few times.
0: Yeah, I. I'm all. Do we not count this as a as a neutral cider? Do we not count this as neutral side I'm,
1: I'm all. for this one because they have like some reasons for it. Some kind of funny reasons, but <laughs> like 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. So they're. Oh, is they're, that part of it? Yeah, so they're playing in uh, Gillette Stadium, and then I think it's the 25th anniversary of 9/11. Hmm. Um, so that's 2026. That uh, they're playing in New York, so yeah, what, whatever, like it's it's cool. It seems like the kind of game that a lot of people like, so mm. it kind of makes sense for like take this game to like other parts of the country, you know. So I don't know, it, it, they're not really taking it to other parts of the country, really, just like different areas in the same part of the country. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 cool with it. Whatever, it's 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 fine. There you go.
0: Uh, Matt Green, we can also throw out there uh, very quickly before we do our Pac-12 betting odds uh, for this fall. Uh, Bronco Nation News reported Wednesday. uh, Dirk Cutter, old OC, uh, multiple-time OC with the Atlanta Falcons and former Arizona State coach, former um, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator, former uh, Boise State coach back in the late 90s, and former defensive coordinator for uh, for Boise State, Ron Collins, are rejoining the program and Andy Avalos' program as senior analyst. Uh, the, the basic, the rest of it, is just that they coached together um, at Boise a long time ago. Uh, Dan Hawkins. I did not, not know that
1: Dirk Cutter was uh, head coach at Boise State.
0: Oh, yeah. He was one of those early ones back yeah, in Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, one of my favorite Boise State games was that one they went to Athens. That was a fun one. Oh,
1: yeah, man. Jared Zabransky.
0: Yeah, Jared Zabransky, And then I, I like the result more of the one in the Dome. The, the one in the dome was more of my mm. deal.
1: Yeah, you like that? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I want to say Georgia scored first in that game, too. I think Brandon Boykin had, like, an 80-yard or uh, reverse for a touchdown. So I think uh-huh. they went up 7-0, and then it was, what, like, 35-14? Like, they got, like they got dominated. Like Can you imagine that happening now?
0: That like, Kirby just getting boat raced by a group of five team now?
1: No, absolutely not. <laughs> That that's when I think Mark Ricks, obviously his seat got hottest when he got fired. But yeah. that's when like the seat got the hottest was 2011. Start open with a loss to uh, Boise State, and the second week lost South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was like 0 two, like after the six and seven season, like that was absolutely on fire. And then Georgia won ten straight. Ended up in the SEC championship. Should have had a way bigger lead on LSU at halftime. <laughs> dropped, like, multiple touchdown passes. I don't know if you remember that. Malcolm mm-hmm. Mitchell, true freshman, dropped a wide-open touchdown. But they had, like, dominated the first half. I think LSU, like, didn't have a touchdown or something. Or didn't have a first down or something the whole first half. And then, uh, like, number one LSU. And and then um, I think uh, it was, like, 10-0 at halftime. And then Honey Badger took the punt to the house and was just like, mm. oh, wow and then they just got routed i think it was like 40 i don't know 41 17 or something they actually they blew they blew the brakes off georgia
0: they've done it a couple times over the years i remember that uh sec title game a couple years ago that didn't go particularly well for the dogs
1: hey to be fair Mm -hmm. georgia that was probably closer than anyone else played lsu the entire season like i think that was closer than either of their playoff games they yeah. held them what like thirty five points, thirty-four points? Like that, that offense was scoring like dropping like sixty on Oklahoma. So there is that. But yeah, they definitely they definitely blasted them. There you go. Uh I just start blasting.
0: Blast. Um <laughs> always Sunny fans will get that one. Uh <laughs> Then we gotta do our Pac twelve title betting odds, Matt Green. Um I'm curious to see where you go here because I have my One that I like the most based on where you're at. So right now, uh, plus 140 for USC, plus 300 for the Ducks, plus 400 for the Utes, plus 1,200 for the Bruins, plus 1,400 for the Huskies, plus 3,000 for the Cougs, plus 4,000 for the Beavers, plus 5,000 for Arizona State, plus uh, 5,000 for the Golden Bears, plus 6,000 for Stanford, plus 15,000 for Colorado and plus fifty thousand for the Arizona Wildcats, who I don't wow. believe have ever won the Pac-12, if I recall. I don't think they've ever actually won it.
1: Are you sure? I know they went to a Rose Bowl. I don't think they won With it. Teddy Bruski? They we didn't win the Pac-12. conference that year.
0: I don't think so. But if they have, that's the only time. I, I want to say that was the stat. It's like they've actually never won it. Um, I know Colorado's never won it. Um, who else in this conference? I don't think. I think Cal may have won it. But I'm not 100% on that. Uh, but either way, I'm going to look that up. Who is your favorite
1: out of that list right now? Um, looking at their football reference page, it says mm-hmm. they've won six conference championships. But were those so Pac-12? Pac-10, I do not know if those were Pac-12 era
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um, or Pac-10 era. Mm-hmm. But you know where I'm going with this. You got to mm-hmm. go with the youths, man. Okay. I feel like they just not only just, just the money aspect of it, like for, for USC to be such a heavy favorite, I just don't think makes sense to me. Like Utah, they're just the most consistent program in the Pac-12 and Cam Rising. Like, I mean, he could be a top, what, 10 quarterback in the country this year, maybe better. Like he was a, he was a dynamic athlete for sure. I think he's the kind of guy that You you kind of need to win in college, like those guys that have that element of running the ball. So I'm I'm high on Utah coming into this year. I just I can't I can't put that much on on USC year one of Lincoln Riley. Like there's just so many moving parts. Like they should obviously have talent. They should be more talented than they were last year. But like year one, I just don't know. And and I definitely can't put Oregon ahead of Utah right now. Like with landing year one, it's even more unproven than than Lincoln Riley, and he didn't bring a squad with him like like Riley did.
0: Um, I found it. They have not won it outright ever. They tied it once in 93. So I'm guessing that's the Brewski year. So that's
1: got to be the Brewski when they went they to the They tied Rose it Bowl. with th-
0: – there was a three-way tie in 93 for UCLA, Arizona, and USC. A three-way tie.
1: What? Oh, wow.
0: So who would you guess? There have only been – Oh, they four- went to the
1: Fiesta Bowl that year apparently.
0: There you go. There's only been four schools that have won the Pac-12 since 2007. Who do you think those four are, Macri?
1: Oh, man. Four schools since 2007. It's got to be Stanford. They are one, yep. USC, mm-hmm. Utah, and Oregon. That's
0: correct. There it is. That was an easy Oh, Washington, one. too. I guess it's five. Never mind. My, my math was off. Wait. Utah, Oregon, Washington, yeah, USC, Washington Oh, yeah. Won. Sorry. Excuse me. Five. I meant five. Um, but Oregon uh, has the amateur hour. I'm sorry. Well, Oregon has. <laughs> it's interesting because Stanford has 2012, 2013. Oregon went 2014. Stanford won three of four with those Luck Harbaugh years. Um, they're pretty yeah. dominant. And Washington obviously had the Chris Peterson blips. Utah mostly recently won, obviously in 2021. Um, but you go down this list, you're like Arizona State has won it. They won it in 96, and they tied it in 2007. They won in '86, but not a lot of history there. Uh, Cal has won it a couple times, uh, 2006, and that was the last time they won it. For you're not gonna. This is wild. Since 1975, so they went from 1975 to 98, or uh, to where to go? 2006. You go down this list. It's. It, this is like. Who's one that? Of those Cal. Things, yeah, that's like one of those oh, things wow. to keep in mind. Oregon State, nowhere to be seen. Uh, they tied it in 2000, and then before that, guess what? They have only won it once since 1964. Wow. They won it in
1: 1964. So did USC win it? Uh, that when they played uh, in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago versus uh, Saquon Barkley? That great game? Did that they? That was a 2017 or... year, right? Uh, that's that. I think that's right.
0: Yes, they won it in 2017.
1: Or wait, no, the Rose Bowl was. George Oklahoma that year,
0: was that Fiesta? Twenty
1: seventeen, so maybe it's twenty sixteen. Hmm. So could that have been? Would that have been Washington? What year was Washington in the playoffs? Because they could have been in the Rose. So they could have been in the Rose Bowl, but Washington won the conference and they were in the yeah, playoff kind of thing. That's probably it. Okay.
0: Okay. Was that a Cody Kessler year? Was, a, was Kessler? No, that was.
1: um Oh shoot! What's his name for the Panthers? Sam Darnold, was he was Darnold. still Darnold? Okay. Yeah, that was Darnold for sure because he, he balled out in that game. He, I think he may have taken over that season because I don't feel like he was – yeah, I don't feel like he was the starter of the full season. I think he was mm-hmm. like kind of came on, and then that, and the next year he was had all the hype coming in. Interesting.
0: Um, but, yeah, so I just think this is instructive when people talk about, oh, who's could be the dark horse? It's like five teams won this conference in the last 15 years. Um,
1: so when you think about that – there's There's only one team I would – Put money on as a dark horse, though. What were you gonna What were you about to say?
0: Well, see, I would put money on the dark horse. Is I think the best value is UCLA at plus twelve hundred. Um, DTR back for his twenty third season. <laughs> um, like I think there's a lot of returning talent. Uh, Chip Kelly, they're moving in the right direction. I think they're like one of those where if everything clicks and they're healthy. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they go 10 and 2, 11 and 1, something like that, with a healthy group and their offense is really humming and DTR is a Heisman type guy. Like, that would not surprise me. I think you throw in $50, uh, it's fine. My other one is Stanford. Like, Stanford with Tanner McKee, who might Mm. be the number one quarterback taken, like, he's going to be a riser. Like, he was good this past year. And people forget he was a five star kid. Um, And a lot of talent. Uh, He went on a mission, so he was gone. He's an older guy. So he was gone for two years. I like if McKee's great and Stanford and David Shaw get back on. Like they've won, they've shown they can do this. They can win the gauntlet. I mean, not a lot of NFL players in this roster. I don't think they had an offensive player drafted this past year um, in the NFL draft. So they don't have uh, who was the workhorse running back? I've already forgotten. Uh, Love uh, Bryce Love. Mm. Uh, they don't have one of those guys behind him. But I think Stanford at that. Toby prepos- Gerhardt's
1: not walking through that door.
0: That's right. Plus 6,000 for Stanford who might have the best quarterback in the conference this year because people are like, oh, it's Caleb Williams. Oh, it's uh, Bo Nix. Or, oh, it's DTR. It's like, mm, I mean, there's a case to be made. Tanner McKee is the best quarterback in this conference. And if you have the best quarterback,
1: hey, anything's possible. I would not – I'm not along because... the same logic there. I feel like if I'm just you know going dark horse long shot, I'm going Washington State. Just because of the, the transfer, Cameron Ward, like mm-hmm. – if, you know, he capture lightning in a, in a bottle and he just happens to, you know, go off and he's the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Like, something crazy like that would have to happen. Like, he threw 47 touchdowns last year at, at Incarnate Ward. Like, who knows? Sling that thing around, but but I don't expect Washington. I don't expect the Cougars to win the Pac-12 by any means. I think Utah's the best bet, man. Kyle Winningham, 18th season at Utah.
0: But here's the problem with the Utah bet. They won the Pac-12 for the first time this past year. That was it. Like that's the only time he's won it, and, and we're just he's... getting
1: started. That's the thing. Maybe, maybe they, how how many years they've been in the Pac-12? They haven't been in the Pac-12 the whole time he's been there, though. No, they have not. Has that's it. What, it's like been like a decade, decade now, eight right? Years or something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, but they feel like a long timer, right? Like they just feel like they've been there forever. Um, now that they're officially at Pac-12 status, they need to. Add, who Who would you? Add who are the next two? If you had to add two more, because Big Twelve being fourteen, if you had to throw two more in the Pac twelve right now, who would it be?
1: Well, nobody wants Boise State, man. But I feel yeah. like someone's got to take Boise State, right? um If and I was then, Boise, I would
0: go independent. Like Hawaii and Boise should just go independent and play everybody.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly I could see it. um They joined the Pac twelve in twenty eleven. By the way, yeah, eleven years. Um, I would say probably one of those California schools, um, like a Fresno State, a San Diego State. San Diego State's my number one choice, I think. Yeah, I would say someone, someone like that, because BYU seemed like a logical candidate, but obviously they're, they're going out to the Big 12. That's uh, that's not gonna happen. You know, North Dakota State should have made a jump up. We should have seen North Dakota State join the Big Twelve, or maybe they'll join the Pac Twelve because uh, geography gonna, doesn't go from matter. That. Hold on,
0: you don't do that. Like they would go up to like the Mountain West. No, nah, like, they go
1: yeah, Mountain West, the American Conference mm-hmm. or something like that. But we gotta get North Dakota State up in, in D one. Like you guys aren't, you can't just be beaten up on the FCS for this long. Like, come on, get out of
0: here. It's bad timing. We're literally about to split off the Power Five and Group of Five, and we're trying to bring people into the fold. No, stay where you are. Man. <laughs> like that's fair. You're winning titles. Like that's what i But
1: they're winning titles. Like Boise State was dominating division or FCS bef- in the in the nineties, and they were yeah. like, yeah, we need more competition. Like Georgia Southern. I mean, it'd been like a decade since they actually won a championship, and they were still trying to make the leap. App State. We've seen a bunch of teams that just kind of dominate at that level. That you know, raise your game. I. Uh... Then Nebraska fans would have nothing to say. If North Dakota State came in and had a a big uh, competitive D1 team.
0: Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it would be, I just would not. I mean, I would love Boise. They feel like a Pac-12 team, but I still think Boise and Hawaii as independents would be cool um, and just play everybody. But if I had to do two right now, I think I would go Aztecs, and then I would go Colorado State. They're just sitting there. I feel like for the Colorado State. I don't know Rams what your bigger.
1: obsession is with Colorado State. <laughs> I feel like you just you you want that you want that to happen. I, I don't feel like Colorado State's on that level. Like That's I don't like think have they, they ever Wyoming? been played for a conference championship. Like I don't even feel like they're good in that conference just they feel like uh, i don't know
0: i maybe i just have a soft spot for them (laughs) i don't know what it is like their logo maybe we can get
1: some kind of like uh like notre dame like half joined the acc like maybe Mm. we can get like boise state for football and get like gonzaga for basketball and they kind of they kind of split their uh (laughs) their their membership there i don't know
0: there you go that's an idea i had not considered that gotta Uh, get creative here you do. I wonder, do you think they stay for a while? No.
1: I, oh, dude, I just thought about it. No, Uh-oh. I just thought of it. UNLV. UNLV. No, that's the team, man. Vegas? Yeah. That's the team. UNLV. If they're going to expand it, it's all about TV markets. So, like, obviously Las Vegas is already in that pack, right in the middle of the Pac-12 anyway. Right. But... Like San Diego State doesn't offer like a new TV market, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, same with probably. I mean, I guess Boise does. Well, San Diego's
0: huge. That's the whole thing. And San Diego State, so they are good at everything. They're a good program. They're big to city
1: school. Like I think there's a path to making San Diego. I guess state, that's a big true. Program. Boise State. That's probably more likely than Boise State. So San Diego yeah. State and UNLV. I feel like that's probably that'd be the answer. Mm-hmm. Get getting another state and expand that footprint. Do you know when the last
0: time they won six games was, Matt Green? UNLV? Yeah.
1: Oh, man. What, like 2012? 2013.
0: They oh. went, they're 2-18 two and 18 the last two years, Matt Green, under Marcus Arroyo. 2-18. Mm. and 18. It's not great. No. And then you go through this. The amount of losses, Matt Green, they have not won double-digit games since 1984. They really? have won nine games, but they were I zero think, times. They I have think won. of
1: UNLV as like a respectable.
0: When they I were in the WAC, they were, they were never. They also respectable. got basketball
1: going for them.
0: That's what you're thinking. It's only been basketball. Like they've Man. been, they're a horrible.
1: Maybe program. I'm just confusing them with, with. I feel like them and Fresno State and San Diego yes. State all seem so similar. Uh, they are nowhere near the the football uh, caliber of those schools. Yeah, they San are Diego State off the map in the Pac-12. They're going 0 and 12
0: yearly. That's late. fair.
1: Okay, maybe they're not the answer. San Diego State is like a low key, like just powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Like they win double digit games like almost every year. It seems like that's what I'm saying. And, and they produce State some together. actual NFL talent too for Shop for Penny, years now. Too. their
0: punter just got drafted in like the
1: third round. Low-key running back you out there, San Diego mm-hmm. State. Going on to back to to the Marshall Falk days. Good uniforms. Pretty cool. Tony, Tony Gwynn also, San Diego State guy. Yeah,
0: San Diego Padre. Um, there you go. Matt Green, so your final prediction. Who do you think on June 16th wins the Pac-12? Who Who's your gut telling you right now? Give me the
1: Utes, man. Okay. What does I Oregon decide. do? Does Oregon do this? Because I was thinking I think when you were they, doing that, I was like, what is it, Oregon? Do they do that? It, it does... That? Dude, they do they do something like maybe yeah, they do the, I don't I don't that this doesn't seem very cool, so I don't <laughs> think they do that. Um, I don't don't. they do something uh, they, like it. Though. I don't know. Oh L7. that might be right.
0: That might be it. I feel like I have a memory of like
1: LaSha uh Blunt or somebody doing that. Um I was trying know. to think of like DeAnthony Thomas. You sent me that video the other day. Is that not wild remember? how fast yeah. it was
0: in that opening kickoff against Kansas
1: State? That was ridiculous. Not a, not how you want to start a ball game in uh the Fiesta Bowl. Although What were you going to say? Well, I mean, Devin Hester returned the opening
0: kick in the Super Bowl against the Colts, and the Colts ended up winning.
1: I was going to say Ted Ginn returned the opening kick in the Fiesta Bowl or in that stadium uh, against Florida, and and I don't know if they scored again. No, I think it was like 41-14 or something. But, yeah, Florida put it on them. Mm. Troy Smith. Troy Smith is one of those Heisman uh, winners that everyone hates on after the fact. Like, oh, yeah, Troy Smith won a Heisman. And I People defend hate on Troy Smith? I defend that Heisman like forever. Like Troy Smith was dynamic that year. Like there wasn't like McFadden, I think, finished second. And I McFadden is like he's like a top, like, three running back in my lifetime personally. Like hmm. top like McFadden is up there. Like he's he's an all timer for me. So McFadden was also great, but like I think Troy Smith gets hated on like after the fact because he wasn't good in the NFL and it was like, oh, you know, the typical best quarterback on the best team and wins the Heisman. And I don't I feel like he gets too much hate for that because he actually he made some plays. He was an exciting player to watch. And they were undefeated, number one. Like that's that's kind of how it goes.
0: That's true. Who is your who who's like your biggest you'll defend this Heisman choice to the death?
1: Um Like that, that
0: should have won it. No, that won it. That other people have been like, I don't know, who's your number one? You're like, no, this is the guy. He should have won. Who do you, who do you back the hardest? Of
1: like, no, this was the most. This was deserving. He won it. I mean, I guess that one is up there because there's not, Hmm. there's not that many that you just straight up hate on the guy winning. I, I would say more, the more so, the the biggest Heisman hill I would die on. I guess is that Johnny Manziel should have won it in 2013. He should have won it back to back years. But he did all his off-the-field shit and whatever was going on. And the Heisman is a holier-than-thou trophy. And they didn't stand for that. They they prefer a guy who steals crab legs. They'll they'll give it to him. But, but no, Jameis Winston just didn't... Like, he was really good. But that Florida State team was just so dominant. Like, I didn't feel like... It was kind of how... Um, like Tebow kind of broke the barrier for a sophomore to win the Heisman. And then we just started giving it to s- sophomores like every year. It's like, well, it doesn't mean every sophomore should win. I, that's how I felt like with Manziel. It was like, oh, freshman can win the Heisman now? Like, well, Jameis Winston, let's give it to him. Number one quarterback on the number one team. And I just, I feel like Johnny Manziel was honestly better his sophomore year than he was his freshman year. Like the hmm. rushing numbers weren't better. But I don't know. I, uh, I, that that's one of my Heisman takes. I'll, I'll defend for sure. I, also, that Todd Gurley would have won the Heisman if he never got suspended. That's that's another hill I'll die. Ooh. I think
0: my number one is Ndamukong Sue should have won it in two thousand nine. So who was two thousand nine? Mark that's Ingram. Ingram. Yeah.
1: Mm, I could.
0: This was a weird voting list. So Ingram went one. Gerhardt went two. Colt McCoy went three. Sue went four. Sue. We should also mention. He had 52 tackles, um, 12 sacks, and, in a, and a pick. And if you remember Nadomkin Su that year, like there is just no. It was kind of like the Will Anderson type thing where, like, if you watch that college ball season, you're like, this is the most dominant player on the field. For and, sure. It, like, there's no one blocking this man. Um, like, he was just an unbelievable. And he was a senior. Like, Ingram was a sophomore, and I understand that shouldn't play a role, but it's like, dude, this is. That season was a Nadomkin Sue season. And. You look at it, so he finishes for Tebow's fifth, uh, C.J. Spiller is sixth, um, and then Kellen Moore, though, crazy stats, 39 TDs, three picks as a sophomore at Boise, um, Case Keenum, though, so Keenum throws for 5,600 yards that year, Matt Green, 44 TDs, uh, 15 picks, fifty six seventy one. Compare that to Tebow, who finished fifth. As a senior, how many yards do you think Tebow threw compared to Case Keenum that same year? This is 2009. I mean, he probably threw for like 3,000 yards or something, right? 2,800. He Case Keenum played the same number of games as Tebow and doubled his passing yards. That's insanity. Case Keenum was just like folks who love Will Rogers and what's going on with the Leach offense and what they're got like, Well, could be good, but man, he's got his, like, Case Keenum's college stats are still some of the craziest, craziest things uh, imaginable. I think he has, yeah, he has 155 touchdowns total in his career. He has a quarterback rating of 160.6. He completed almost 70% of his passes every single year. His yards per attempt were uh, 10, two, two different seasons. He was just ahead of his time in so many different ways. I think he's still the all-time. He's the all-time wins leader in college. Well, he had to Football, play like right?
1: six years, right? He played five. Um, Case Ke- all-time wins? Yeah, I think he is. Right? I know he's all-time oh, passing yards, yards. Right? Maybe just passing yards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, Devin Ritter was... might
0: be all-time wins now, right?
1: No, I don't think
0: he left early, didn't he? Was he? He wouldn't have senior last year, was he? I think he was. Hold on, all-time QB wins leader. Let's see. Is Desmond Ritter number one? Yeah, Desmond Ritter won forty-four games. Yeah, he's the all-time leader.
1: Ah, uh, that that can't be number one.
0: Andy Dalton is at four. Is number two at forty-two and seven. Number three is David, David Green, Green at forty-two at ten. He was forty-two. So and I 10. thought
1: Colt. How many did Colt McCoy win? I was thinking Colt McCoy broke David Green's record. Uh,
0: he. Oh, you know what's also crazy? Desmond Ritter never lost a home game. Twenty-six and zero at
1: home. Oh wow, that's kind of wild. You know, Desmond Ritter is college football's winningest QB. Fair enough. I um I'll tell you one last uh, Heisman. We could probably do a whole episode on this. Mm-hmm. One last Heisman um, hill I'll die on. Two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Jason White over Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was the best player in college football. Like I've never seen a wide receiver be as dominant as Larry Fitzgerald was. Like it was yeah. just absurd. Like just throw it up to this man. Like as good as Devontae Smith was. It like it, it felt like kind of a product of the system in a way that like Alabama is just so good like they got the best quarterback the best running back like I mean was he the best wide receiver on the team like Jalen Waddle was the best receiver the first five or six games when everyone was healthy right so yeah. like Devonte Smith what he did was super impressive but he didn't just seem like just the dominant unguardable player as much as. Alabama's offense was just dominant and unguardable like I, I I almost honestly may have had Najee Harris over Devontae Smith that year because he I mean he was so incredible so not, not taking anything away from Devontae Smith Devontae Smith but Larry Fitzgerald that year just 22 touchdowns like 1600 yards receiving like just absurd some of the most go. ridiculous catches I've ever seen also,
0: the list had taken out for whatever reason, Colt and Kellen. Kellen's number one at fifty and three, and Colt's. Number I was two thinking at someone 8
1: got, Okay, I was thinking someone got to fifty. Okay, yeah. Kellen Moore, that that's a good distinction for Kellen Moore to have. Like that, that'll be at the top of his uh, his resume on the the Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame ballot. He's on.
0: Oh, I know what it is. He's the active, so that's what it is. He's the active all time wins leader. Because mm, okay. Colt and Kellen are gone, so there you go. Active wins later um there you go matt green you can find me on twitter at matt underscore w underscore green keep up with all of your great college football takes on twitter.com and all that good stuff thank you as always my friend and i will talk to you next week yes all right y'all that'll do it for uh the thursday june 16th 2022 edition here on the chase mouse podcast a part of the blue Wirepod Network. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, my conversation with Matt Green and all of our college football stuff here on this edition of the pod. Uh, make sure you follow him at matt underscore w underscore green and keep up with all of his great college football takes and all that good stuff. Over on his Twitter page. If you enjoyed today's episode of the program, and you have not already done so, and you are an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener, please uh, make sure before leaving this program that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, thank you again for spending part of your Thursday uh, with me and in the, and the show. That I greatly appreciate it. Um, means a lot uh, as you continue uh, listening and as we continue growing this thing here with Blue Wire. So excited to have you guys along. Thank you as always for your loyalty and support to the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, Love to hear from you guys at Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. All that good stuff. Chase Thomas podcast.com. I think I said Chase Thomas podcast at gmail. I don't know. Uh, It's been a long day. So there you go. Uh, Thank you, as always, guys. Jam-packed show the, today, tomorrow and the day after. So a lot, a lot still on the docket for this week on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So thank you, guys, as always. And uh, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.